Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe to this channel if you haven't already. And I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Gate Expectations Yu-Gi-Oh! Podcast. Welcome everybody to the Gate Expectations Podcast, where I bring in a weekly guest to talk all things Yu-Gi-Oh! and get to know a little more about each person I talk to. It's the only Yu-Gi-Oh! Podcast that is run by a full-fledged journalist such as myself. This is episode 45. Welcome to season three. If you haven't checked it out yet, you can check out earlier podcasts with guests like Crush Cards, Ruggles, Yasin, Pack, Distant Coder, and many more. My guest for this week loves his numbers. His YouTube channel does in-depth statistic analyses of a wide variety of Yu-Gi-Oh! topics and recently topped the remote duel YCS with Cyber Dragons. It's Hakuna Maidata. Man, thank you so much for coming on to my podcast. Oh, yeah, no, thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So a, a big reason why I wanted to bring you on was, first of all, your congratulations on the, the top at the remote duel YCS, by the way. Good, good job on that one. <laughs> thank you yeah, yeah it's been wild i'm sure it's yeah. been crazy yeah definitely that and then number two uh you know you are you specialize in an area of Yu-Gi-Oh that i've yet to touch on my podcast and it, it's something i personally love it, it's, it's data and statistics and you know I, i'm a sports broadcaster as well and i use a lot of stats to kind of help tell the story whenever i'm like being introduced to like two teams i have yet to be like i I don't know or anything like that so using stats is a great way to tell the story and i can kind of form like a little bit of a narrative for it and kind of give a give like a story a little bit of extra pep so that's one thing why i've I've been drawn to your channel so much Uh, so i gotta ask you like how did the stats on your youtube channel kind of start out yeah, no, that's certainly a great question. I mean, you know, it's kind of interesting though. So when I first started a YouTube channel, which just a couple of days ago, I hit like my one year anniversary. I I had ideas for some data related videos, but realistically speaking, I initially started just to provide some Cyber Dragon content, like in terms of tips and rulings. And I really didn't expect to grow, be on YouTube for that long. I, I only had ideas for a few videos and I thought that would be it. And the reason... Of course, you know, my channel has data in it and it's a pun and you would think that was why I dedicated this channel to be a data related content, but it really wasn't actually the way that came out was uh, I already, that was my Reddit username, which I had Mm -hmm. well before starting a channel, like, or even Mm -hmm. rather well before even playing Yu-Gi-Oh. It was not actually related (laughs) to Yu-Gi-Oh. It was just something pun that I, because I work in data related field, which I'll get to. So Mm -hmm. because of that, you know, it kind of worked out where, you know what, I might as well make database content. So I guess, you know, in terms of my line of work, I guess to do a quick background. So I did my master's degree in epidemiology, which is probably a word a lot of people have heard during the pandemic. You know, you see a lot of epidemiologists on the news, you know, giving advice and kind of things like that. And so basically epidemiology, it's the field where you study disease and health trends in a population, uh, primarily using statistics. And I want to be clear, I'm not a doctor. Um, The ones you see on the news and everything, they're usually physicians with a background in epidemiology. And so not all epidemiologists are doctors and not all doctors are epidemiologists. So anyways, yeah, because of that, I felt, you know, I have skills in, uh, I use SAS personally in terms of analyzing data. So the first data-related video I actually made was with Cyber Dragons. I made a code to simulate my opening hands 100,000 times. And within each iteration, it would, uh, see if it could bring out Infinity, for example, and Dragoon eventually when that got released. And because that way, that meant I had to outline all the combination of cards that would lead to that. 
And so it was a little more complicated than that. It was like that plus like how many hand traps or going second cards I had. And it would categorize a hand as like good, bad, great, or terrible, for example. And so that's that was like the first data related video. At the time, of course, I only had probably like 50 subscribers. So <laughs> the video never got any traction, not to mention. And it's sort of tough when you first start a channel, right? Like you have to find this balance where you want to produce some interesting content to get your channel started, but you also want to save that interesting video until you get a little bigger so that it would actually be mm -hmm. And that's what I felt was pretty hard. And I never really touched that kind of video again after because it was quite time consuming and it just never really got the results anyways. And yeah, I don't know if that answered your question, but I guess <laughs> in general, yes, it is my line of work. It's my training. I do work in uh, data related field. I work, I guess I'll keep it vague, uh, like a government organization um, analyzing uh, data right now related to cancer. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, I, I just try to apply that skill with Evil. I mean, it's certainly fun. And I felt that, you know, it certainly wasn't really touched on. And mm -hmm. I felt that there were some publicly available data sources that could be used. I mean, I primarily use YGeoscope. So that's, I would say. And then, of course, the LCS came along and I just one day I was just eating breakfast and I'm like, oh, you know what? Like they post a deck list. Like why not just make some kind of like descriptive overview of some of the hand traps and staples? <laughs> mm -hmm. So it, it's just like, because I'm so new to YouTube and this is something I do on the side for fun, of course, aside from working full time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, these like ideas just come randomly and you have to start. I, I would say one of the hardest <laughs> things about with a YouTube channel when you start out is having an idea of which videos to make and you ideally want to come up with an idea that can become a series so you don't have to keep thinking of a completely new video idea each time. Mm -hmm. And so that's where I think the data videos help. For example, meta-analyses, I do that of the top ranked players on Dueling Book. And that's something people wouldn't mind seeing every month because the meta does change. For example, CMO's meta-analysis is, is essentially like the prime example where everyone will see it every month, right? And mm -hmm. it helps. So yeah, that's sort of how it got kind of... Uh, how the channel actually started forming an identity, I would say, it was from there. Well, what I love about how you do your channel is it's, it's the same way that I do mine. Like, both of us are professors in our field. Like, you do data professionally, I do journalism professionally. And that's how we implement it in a professional sense into our YouTube channels, which, which is what I love because, like, you know, you're getting it from an actual trusted professional. You just get it in a form that you would never expect that you would be able to, be able to see, which makes us so unique, uh, separating us from a lot of other people, for, for one thing. And then just a fun little anecdote. I also have one friend who who kind of does something very similar with you. He works with the government and does uh, he does a lot of data entry. But like for the longest time that I've known him, like I think for like five six years, I never got like a real answer of what he does. So we always just joked as him that he was a spy, just because he he worked for the government. So we we just had that little joke. But I found out eventually that he does data entry in a sense, working with statistics and whatnot. Not saying you do data entry, but it's pretty much kind of it's it's kind of the same concept you know that that's that's basically what you you do in a sense and you do you both mm -hmm. of you do it quite professionally so uh, fun little anecdote there but the I, I love that you had this 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 is part of your gimmick now your your stick your spiel that you're able to use data because it, it's it's something that has really become prevalent in, in the last like several years of the game now where like deck building has become so much more important especially with you know, the game kind of transforming into 
being dictated really on the first turn. So we really need those numbers to figure out how consistent can we make a deck to be able to go on the to be able to pop on the first turn because like everyone's all about you know putting almost all of your cards on the table like first turn and just seeing hoping your opponent can't like really beat out of it. And then your channel really helps with, uh, I believe, like showing those kinds of numbers to really help with all the deck building now because you see it a lot in a lot of youtubers where they tell you about oh we should be running like three copies of this or like two copies of this or like and whatnot and they they say numbers a lot and that's just something that just really surfaced over the last couple of years yeah i mean i'm not i guess in in terms of my videos though i think the only thing that can really perhaps help with deck building is just like the lcs hand trap and staple just like so people have a general sense of which ones were the most popular among like kind of players that were doing really well I would say in terms of actual deck building probability, that's not something I really do. I mean, uh, I don't know if you know of uh, Yishan. He has a YouTube channel. He he does that. He's definitely, you know, clearly much better at like the actual math probability side of things than I would, yeah. <laughs> ever would be. I'm more of using whatever, you know, data sources available um, and providing more of like a descriptive overview of what's happening mm-hmm. currently. That's sort of what I'm doing. And one of the Harder parts too is because, you know, you have to think of your audience, you do have to make it simple. So that's mm-hmm. sort of, I'll try my best with that. So I would say, you know, all my analysis, they are simple, really. They're just descriptive stats in nature. I mean, of course, in the back end for me to set up the data, it does require uh, quite a bit of coding, but, you know, in the actual end result, it does, it is quite simple in the end. And that's sort of how it is in my line of work. Usually, like the actual analysis, part, for example, in terms of getting whatever percentage, you know, that's the easy part. The harder part is actually like setting up the data for analysis. Mm-hmm. And and that's also something that is also important in my line of work. We we call it like I think it's like like data journalism. It's is what we call it, where we basically you know when we look at data and then we can formulate questions on you know on the the kind of data we get. Like for example, if we kind of use like the pandemic for example, where if I were doing a story on it and I saw that there was a whole bunch of number like cases in, let's say my hometown, and then say it's not prevalent in your hometown. Well, then that's, that's an easy question that I could ask is like, okay, why is, why is like COVID number so pre- like prevalent in my hometown of Peterborough? Like just as an example of it. So it's, so this kind of data is really important for, for myself too, just to, in everyday life. And it definitely is for Yu-Gi-Oh too. And going back to what you said, you use uh, Yu-Gi-Oh scope a lot. It's it's a it's a website that some people like kind of know, but not everybody does know it. it. Can you explain what Yu-Gi-Oh scope is a little bit more? Yeah, I know it's true. Like I certainly found out through I think some random Reddit post a while back, and that's the only reason I found out. Basically, I don't know how they're partnered with Dueling Book. I really don't know the relationship at all. But it essentially, mm-hmm. uh, the homepage would give you like the most played decks at the current moment, their win percentage. But the best part is you can search user uh, names basically, and then it shows you their twenty last twenty publicly available replays. So basically, mm-hmm. what I sort of discovered and what I decided to do was, well, the usernames for top two hundred ranked players on Dueling Book are publicly available, and so mm-hmm. then I, that means I can use that to search those top players and then look through their replays and provide these sort of, and I do a variety of things like meta analysis uh, of what the top decks or sorry what the top ranked players are playing in terms of just any deck. And then I do a specific one to rogue decks in terms of what the top decks, well, I guess that kind of gives away what rogue decks are these top ranked players (laughs) playing. And then sometimes I do more deck specific analysis where I look through all the usernames and just um, collect the ones that are playing a specific deck. Like for example, I just recently did one on Sky Striker. So Mm -hmm. I would say 
Uh, it's a great site. I'm very grateful that it exists. Although, of course, a lot of people don't like that it exists because, for example, when you're playing ranked matches on Dueling Book, I think some players do actually try to what you like you scope them out in terms of you try to see what they're playing before mm-hmm. you like continue with your match. And mm-hmm. you know, of course, that's not the greatest. But I would say one thing I wish you could do on YGO Scope is if you could actually just search by deck rather than only by username, because then that would make my job way easier, right? Because <laughs> I can actually just search for that specific deck and it doesn't have to be restricted to just top players. Although ideally you still want to restrict it to decent level players and not completely new players that are new to the game. Uh, but yeah, for now, I think it, it does seem like you can only search by username. I did reach out to them way back, like the people that are on the contacts to see if there's any additional data that I could potentially get in terms of collaboration, but I didn't, I never heard back. So yeah, but it, no. it's a great side. And I, yeah, it's certainly a big part of the channel. <laughs> okay. So, so in talking about all, all data and how important it is, what could we use Yu-Gi-Oh data that, that you provide? Like how, how could I apply all this data that you're providing into like my, into getting better at the game? Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure about getting better. I mean, all in all, like, one key limitation with what I do and just what anyone could realistically do is that, you know, we are dealing with very small sample sizes because I am having to manually go through these replays and, you know, like ideally, for example, in let's say for me in a public health field, like you're dealing with thousands, sometimes millions of data points, and you're just not going to be able to do that. Even when you have multiple people try to help you with replays, in which case then that actually brings a question of standardization because some people may record things differently and there's Mm -hmm. issues with that. So that's one aspect. One thing, for example, in terms of my monthly meta meta analysis is, you know, I'm providing what these top ranked players are playing. And something I usually try to release them before a big event, like a YCS or an LCS, for example. And Mm -hmm. I do find recently it has actually been a pretty good predictor in terms of what the actual breakdown ends up being in those events. For example, Mm -hmm. in the one just before the YCS, I found a really big amount of Tri Brigade. And I thought it would actually be a lot more Drytron, for example. Mm-hmm. But then you look at the YCS distribution and it really was like a lot of Tri Brigade. And I mean, you know, some may say, well, that's pretty obvious. And, you know, it may be true. I'm just saying that it's been pretty accurate, I would say. For example, like Ignister being among some of the top, uh, at least somewhat played among the top players. And then we saw at the, I forget if it was the LCS or some event. And then, you know, you saw some Ignister uh, do well as well, or at the very least show up quite a lot, despite not mm-hmm. being seen any play, right? And so mm-hmm. I think that's sort of nice. And I think, like I said earlier, the LCS hand trap video, uh, it does give you at least a good sense of uh, good hand, tra- uh, the hand traps that were popular. So I'll give you an example. At one point, Infinite Impermanence was always among like the top five most played. And then in one LCS, it just completely dropped. And that's mm-hmm. when people realized, you know, like it was bad against Virtual World. It was bad against Eldritch. Like at that point it was just not good because we no longer had this was i think right after it was very good when you know infernoble and dragon like were tier one and you Mm -hmm. just needed all the hand traps you could get but after that format you know it really wasn't very good and when i saw that completely disappear i remember asking someone like you know pack like oh like is there like a reason for this and he would tell me why and you know i was like oh okay like that's actually pretty helpful now i know that perhaps Mm -hmm. you know i should take it out for now for this format Mm -hmm. Do you do any other collaborations with with other people in helping you uh, assemble all of the data that you you collect? So I don't. I actually had some generous offers from some commenters in terms of like, oh, do you need more help in terms of like manpower, collect the data. But like I said earlier, that 
brings a question of standardization um, into mm -hmm. question. And I want to make sure that I do it consistently. And I do, I'm pretty thorough in terms of data quality. So, and I also don't want to put that burden on anyone else. Like, to be honest with you, I think once they kind of start doing it, they'll realize how tedious <laughs> and time consuming it is. And yeah, I, I wouldn't want to really put that on to someone. And for now, I think I'm I'm fine with like doing it myself. Although it of course does mean, you know, it is limited. So for example, I would say the longest ones that take me in terms of data videos are the deck specific ones because mm -hmm. it means I actually have to watch the replays in very detail. Whereas mm -hmm. the meta-analysis, I really, realistically, I just need to know, you know, whether they won the die roll or not, which happens right at the beginning of Dueling Book Match. And then just to confirm that the deck they're playing is what is automatically flagged by YGOSCO because sometimes it's not accurate. Mm -hmm. So it, it's, but either way, like all of them, they do take quite a while, especially, I don't know if it's just my computer, but I find YGOSCOPE to be pretty slow compared to <laughs> other pages. So it takes yeah. a while for it to like find a username or like load the username and then you click it. But yeah, so I, would, I hope that answers the question. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've, I've typed my name in it several times before just for fun. And even though I have like one gig of gigabyte speed internet but it certainly does take a while to, to okay so it's it. not so, just me yeah okay yeah, that's, that's good to hear. yeah, yeah it's, it's, no. uh, it's rather annoying but yeah yeah no so i i can understand on that front where like it can be like a little bit like tiresome and annoying especially when i'm like trying to upload a video like upload a or export a video on my computer because it's eating up so much ram and i'm trying to do work at the same time it's it, it gets problematic yeah, so, so i can i kind of get what you're saying exactly so imagine trying to look up a hundred separate usernames which is what i have to do right so yeah it's a long time it's like you search it has to load the username you have to find it and then it mm -hmm. loads and if yeah. you like accidentally made a typo in their usernames which is very likely because some people have some of the craziest db usernames yep. and then you just like start all over <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's my life yep I mean, some people might like if they try to look up Simo's name, they try might forget like how many O's are there in Simo. Yeah, I know yeah. it's eight. In talking to him, it's yeah, eight, I remember that. I remember so that. A lot of people uh, might have some problems figuring that out. So yeah, a lot of usernames are really tough, and there's no kind of like autocorrect or anything because of all the funny mm -hmm. names that can be mm -hmm. out there. So I can understand being that uh, being troublesome. When when I look at your channel, there, I I love like all the variety of like analyses that you do with it like and you have like such really great ideas like for example when you put when you put like how you know how often do you win when you put Winda out same thing with the dragoon and again as you said your one of your more recent videos is when you do like how many times you resolve engage because you know like when engage got off the list it's like okay well that's going to make sky strikers like one of the one of the top decks again because that's such a disgusting like disgustingly broken card so like where do you get these kinds of ideas to do, to do these kind of a deck or a card analyses yeah i mean it's it just i try my best to brainstorm certain ideas and then you know it, it comes and goes i mean technically by concept things like dragoon the uh you know you mentioned i mean winda sky striker that you know, follow mm -hmm. the same concept as what I would call as like a deck specific analysis. So it's still mm -hmm. the same idea. So it's not like new, it's more like, okay, I want to have one thing that sort of would catch people's interest. So for example, with the Sky Striker, it's, it was, the title was, you know, how many times can you resolve engage in a game? But the actual video has a lot more than just engage, right? It has, you know, win percentage with Mystic Mind or when your opponent mm -hmm. flips in pure order. So it has a lot more than that, but mm -hmm. it, it, all in all, it's still, follows as a deck specific analysis so that's one idea another would be my meta analysis another would be like rogue analysis the lcs hand trap and staples and then we have some other kind of random 
other data videos that I've been exploring. For example, I did one on sort of more like a price history of some of the ultimate rares in the past year during the pandemic. Uh, mm -hmm. That one did not do as uh, like it honestly did quite poorly, and I could totally understand. I was just like trying to venture out. You want to try something <laughs> new, but some of the thing that I'm being very cautious with is if a certain new video idea does not do well, I actually make sure to not do something like that again back to back. Mm -hmm. Like I want to go back to something safe, try again. Mm -hmm. So you know it's funny. So for example, my meta analysis videos generally do decently well now, but I actually mm -hmm. people won't know this. I actually did the exact same thing really early days of my channel but it mm -hmm. was called the video was actually called you know how much does winning like the die roll matter so it was framed differently and mm -hmm. it did not do well at all and i it took a while so i put it aside and then i decided to do it again but instead i figured well you know what why not just make it focus on you know what are the top players playing because that's exactly what that other video was about except it was just framed differently right mm -hmm. so that certainly I guess makes a difference and of course i did have a bit more subscriber base than when i first did that video but yeah mm -hmm. that's sort of things i've come to learn and, and you know that that video was it was such an intriguing title too because we've had so many like complaints about so many players saying oh this is such a die roll format like why well, would have like you know if he run the die roll because so i would have won if i won it and, you know you would get a lot of like complaints about that so it seems like a really interesting topic to really touch on now and then as you mentioned you know like the following that you have now it's a much bigger so you figure of course you get a lot more views it's kind of like you know early on in my my podcast i already bring out like so many big names and then you know it may, maybe what would happen if i brought them in a little bit later so it's mm -hmm. speaking of that do you ever look at your own like YouTube uh, analytics and kind of gauge like when when is the best time to put up certain videos like when and like what time of the day or or what day of the week and whatnot? <laughs> yeah, you know, I was just thinking that other day. Well, you know, so I typically post mine in the morning. I have it scheduled. Like I'll finish at the night and I'll just have it scheduled for the next morning, usually yeah. like ten thirty eleven. And I don't know how like much it matters. I mean, for example, I just look at the analytics and it says. Okay, you know, it shows that little graph and it like shows like the darkest color where people are mostly active. And it said, mm -hmm. my subscribers are actually mostly active from like 10.30 a.m. to like, I guess, probably like 1 p.m. or something like that. So I, I'm like, okay, you know what? Maybe that means I need to post it at like, yeah. you know, in the morning. But I've had instances where I wanted to get a video out really fast. So I would post it at like 9 p.m. But it honestly mm -hmm. did the same, I feel like. And you know, it's funny in analytics. It used to be, they used to have this like little text box that would pop up that would tell you that, you know, when you post, uh, typically doesn't actually have an effect on the long-term results of your video. It may at the mm -hmm. start, but over the long course, it may, it would actually end up being the same. But mm -hmm. I don't see that text box pop up anymore. And I feel like, I don't know if how true that is. I would say how your video does at the beginning really does matter because that's mm -hmm. like typically your, you know, best performing day, like when it first comes out and then it probably starts recommending to other people. But mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, the, I, I find the YouTube algorithm, I, I don't think, unless you actually work on the algorithm at YouTube, I don't think people will truly know. It's the same thing with Google's search mm -hmm. algorithm. You know, it's, we can make guesses at it. I don't know how much I can game it. I just go with, I just try to be consistent, like in terms of the morning and yeah. it sort of works out. <laughs> and I, I also don't like posting at night because I don't like going to bed right after posting a video because I may have a bunch of comments or maybe... Who knows? Maybe I made some mistake and I have to correct it. And that's like my worst nightmare. So I generally don't like posting at night unless I have at least a few hours for it to like run. And I realize there's no issues. <laughs> and I'm just going to be 
comment saying, oh, yeah, okay, cool video or something, but not yeah. like questions that I can't respond to. Oh, I'm kind of like the opposite where I like to post it at night where, you know, a lot of people kind of settle down at that point and then I can, I can go to sleep and then I wake up. It's like, oh, I got like three, four comments on it. I wonder what they are. It's a, it's kind of like a nice little like, like basket of comments that come right in front of you. It's like, oh, yay. But uh, I, but again, I can kind of see why, because you have to be a lot more precise and a lot more accurate. So like any kind of error that you would make could be like quite critical on yeah. your end if you do it. Supposed to be where it's like, uh, well, like, be, I can't really change the podcast at that point in time. I can just put like an editor's note or something like that. So okay, I can make a very easy switches. Yeah, no, it's it's certainly true. Uh, is it now you can this could be based on either data or like complete superstition to you but like uh aside from like before you go to bed are there any other times you just tend to stray away from on on posting videos so for me i don't think i would have an exact time but i do avoid days where there's a big event so for example i had this video that came this morning i had it already ready probably like like saturday i think at the latest but the thing was the LCS was happening, I believe. And also it was the extravaganza on the Sunday. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I participated in one extravaganza and I know that if you're playing it, like you're just like playing like the entire day. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't want to post there. Perhaps it wouldn't make a difference, but I did post it just on the Monday. And yeah, yeah I think it works. And I think now it depends too. Like, you know, I think more people are going outside compared to before, especially when, I don't know about you, but like most of my audience is going to be from the US. Uh, I'm from, we're from Canada, of course, but yeah, you know, there's certainly, I think uh, more, uh, like we'll be outside more than we are. Like our restrictions are just starting to like lift and everything, right? So, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, because I've got some tips from uh, from one of my like YouTubing friends and they, they tell me that they like, they always look at the analytics, but they like to avoid for example friday like to play because that's kind of the time where after like a, a day's work everybody wants to just go out and do something like either go party go be out with their friends or something like that so they try to avoid doing it on fridays and they like posting on mondays because that's the day where like everyone's kind of back to work and after a day of work they just kind of want to sit down relax unwind decompress because you know monday you know supposedly is one of like the worst days of the week so you know people will do whatever they can to you know, make themselves kind of like feel better or whatnot. It's like when you see in sports, we have like Monday night football, you might get like a, like a Monday night feature one, like in the NBA though, that kind of thing where like, you know, you want to have like prime time games at, at those kinds of times, because you know, that's the time where people really want to relax the most and, and watch and like do something to unwind. And that would be like the prime time for people to like watch like these, like the great TV program and that kind of sense. Yeah, for sure. So, so, and, and then, and then keep keep going with with your channel now. Like there's like a wide variety of other like like data topics that you you've done as well. Like you've done you do like meta analysis of like like top ranked players. Like again, as you mentioned, like rogue analyses. Like uh, again, you're like you're encompassing like a wide variety of like these different topics that involve data. Like do you, do you really think that uh, you know you could ever really run out of ideas when it comes to, like statistical analysis and data for your channel? I, I would say so. I think like the deck specific analysis will probably be able to continue and still kind of be seem as unique because we're always going to have some kind of new tier one deck. But mm -hmm. I, I do think that, you know, my content will probably get a little repetitive at some point, right? Because it is like monthly meta analysis, rogue analysis, like, and I don't know if LCS will continue when everything returns to like normal, quote unquote, within mm -hmm. person events. I mean, one of the things that'd be nice is if, the YCS would release like all the deck lists, for example. 
yeah. then I would be like, oh, okay, then I'll have content for days. But yeah, I mean, I would say like, for example, with the remote tool YCS, I have been collecting uh, deck lists that have been like posted on YouTube or like Facebook or whatever. And I'm just going to mm-hmm. wait until the top 16 live stream happens. And if they, I'm sure mm-hmm. some will release more deck lists within the next few days after that's over. And then mm-hmm. I'll do like a hand trap stable breakdown on mm-hmm. that. But yeah, who knows? Maybe that's how I have to go because the downside of that is that I don't have every list, right? Yeah. So I have to be very clear about that because that can af- influence, you know, which hand traps were most played, right? For example, mm-hmm. like this is not, this is just purely hypothetical, but let's say in a world where Altergeist was tier one again and they tend to play in perm, even mm-hmm. let's say in a format where other decks are probably not playing from, they'll probably play it, right? So if I mm-hmm. happen to have a lot of Altergeist lists that were posted online, then it's going to make it seem like Imperm was really popular, but really it was just because I just happened to have more Altergeist than other deck lists that they just did not post any deck profiles. Because like a lot of players, even when they top, they're like, they don't know people to go on YouTube channel or they don't have some kind of presence some like channel or whatever presence themselves to post their list, right? So a lot of them are going to go, you know, unobserved for, in instances so yeah but anyways i am kind of excited for that and it'd be nice if they just officially release the deck list mm-hmm. my job a lot easier <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah i mean i don't know who knows maybe at some point you know you some people just can get tired of your content you know they'll maybe they'll just get tired of the meta analysis and quite frankly i'm not quite sure how long i can really sustain the channel either once everything comes back as well i mean it was nice though. This recent top definitely did help things out in terms of channel growth. So yeah, it's certainly motivating. So, but I think I have to see when everything comes back because right now I've constantly been working from home, right? Which means I save on commute time. And, you know, for example, I mean, the gym now opened up, so I'm going, but I used to work out in home and then I'm not going to like social events right now and all those things. And of course, spending quality time with my girlfriend, like all that, you know, once we get to like our normal swing of things and you yeah. of course want to make time to play Yu-Gi-Oh, right? Yeah. And that's one yeah. thing I would say, I don't know about you, but that's like my biggest struggle since starting the channel is that, you know, I work full time. I make these videos on the side and the data videos happen to take quite a while. You know, I want to spend time with my girlfriend and then mm-hmm. whatever free time I have, I, I just spend time playing with the deck that I only know how to play essentially at this point, Cyber Dragons. But mm-hmm. ideally... You want to spend time learning all these top decks and actually play them, right? To see your one, mm-hmm. two decks. I just can't seem to make time for that. So that's why I thought, you know, it was a big knack on me and that, you know, I didn't think I'd be able to like pop a premier event because of that. But, you know, I guess sometimes it works out. I really did yeah. not have much time to play. I probably, <laughs> I probably played like four to seven rank matches on Dueling Book with the list that I used before mm-hmm. the LCS. But mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, that, that's all I have for you. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So it worked out. You know, it's it's funny because I'm pretty much in the same boat as you are. You know, like I, I have a you know, girlfriend in, in a long term relationship where we've been together for almost four years, and then you know, like a full time career in myself as well. And then you know, being able to like balance all that, you know, do content creation, and then being able to actually you know play Yu Gi Oh and then enjoy like all my hobbies that are outside of Yu Gi Oh and my social life. Especially since I'm an extrovert, so I love being around people. It, it really is like a, a tough act to balance. And I know that you know MST and you know, a box for example i know that he's worked 40 hours in his you know his, his career and then you know 40 hours on the youtube channel and then that can get like really taxing at, at that point like have you ever felt like any kind of like burnout in like during this past year that you've had your channel up just because of everything that's kind of like been floating around and having to juggle everything um so it's interesting i mean 
so for one, for me, I never sacrifice sleep. So I would never actually stay up late to do YouTube or anything. <laughs> it's just like if I don't have time for that day, I just don't do it. Yeah. And you know, there's just no video for whatever a few days. But mm-hmm. in terms of burnout, I wouldn't really call it a burnout because it was more like I would certainly lose motivation to continue because let's say I spent a lot of time on a video and it doesn't do well. And you start mm-hmm. asking yourself, like, man, like should I just like quit? And then, then I actually have more time to play. <laughs> but yeah, no, I've definitely gone through that a lot. I think that's pretty common when you're a small channel. I mean, I'm pretty sure I had those thoughts since like my fourth video. I would say recently it's been much better. I mean, it certainly helped. I would say my first big break was when Farfa streamed my VFD video. Yeah. And I got some traction there. And I think he tweeted me because at the time I, I like I had a Twitter account. I never use it. So I didn't know where all these people were coming from. <laughs> and yeah. then someone mentioned in the comments, it's like, oh yeah, he tweeted you. I'm like, oh, okay, that, that explains it. So then that's when I started using Twitter, which I don't really tweet that much anyways. I don't even know how I have like 200 something followers when I just don't really tweet at all. But <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I, I mean, I would say not really a burnout, but more so just like lack of motivation sometimes because of the effort you put into a certain video uh, doesn't do well. And you know, you want to ideally... Like you see the subscriber growth, but you want to see the views grow because that's really what matters technically, right? Like mm-hmm. you want to be seen because there's plenty of channels with a lot of subscribers, but they get like, you know, like something like 10 views, right? Then that's like not as impactful because the whole point of making videos really is you want people to see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, that's, I guess, my thoughts. Yeah. And I was actually talking with uh, another content creator earlier today, uh, Nessie. He's like the Crystal mm, Beast guy. Right, Crystal Beast. Yeah. Yep. Actually, talking. Like, I actually told him that you were going to be on my podcast, and you know, he told me that you know, like, like well deserved because, like, we got that because uh, we had that far uh, that far for shout out. First of all, that really helped you, and then you also bring that again that uniqueness to your channel, which like nobody else really ever does with, with, with that data. So he told me he was really excited to 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 listen to that. So whenever he listens, I'm sure he'll definitely let me know. So. And, and and that's and that's the thing about like the middling channels that are kind of like you and I were like we're just kind of like middle of the pack like up and coming kind of thing where, you know, when you kind of do all these videos and then maybe not get all the views you want and then it's like then you kind of get that you know thought crept into your head it's like you know is it really worth it to be doing like this much work and committing this much time if like the results are not there and it's really easy to get uh, demotivated to to not to do these so is there something you would tell yourself to to keep pushing with these videos that you have been since you have been doing it consistently now for for the past year yeah i mean i would say one thing that is kind of nice to think about is you know each time where i thought maybe i should just you know retire the channel you have these instances for example like we we're talking about when farfa streams and then all of a sudden it you go up quite a bit and so you realize that you know you are potentially like you know like one video away from like getting a big break right and it's, <laughs> I, don't, I know that sounds kind of cheesy it's sort of like when back in the old days when someone it's trying to be like a rock star or something. And they're like, oh, just like one like concert away from being like a star or something. But yeah, I mean, I think that's what's kind of interesting. And, you know, people are definitely very supportive. It's really cool when you think about it in a way you have these complete strangers you've never met, but they always comment on your videos and they're very supportive. And it is very nice feeling. And mm-hmm. yeah, and also uh, thanks to Neshi for the comments. Uh, yeah, I think <laughs> it's also cool because he's also someone who plays like, well, I don't know if he only plays that deck. I just know he's known for Crystal Beast. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know I only play one deck because that's just all the time I have. And that's actually, that relates to another struggle that I've been experiencing in a way is, you know, 
when you make a YouTube channel, it's like you want to be clear on your audience, right? Like who you're yep. making videos for. And for me, it's a little weird because I originally started out as a Cyber Dragon content because I started posting on the Facebook groups because I was already kind of well encompassed in that community. So it helped to yeah. start out. And then, of course, I can't just limit to Cyber Dragon. So I make these data videos that are applicable to any Yu-Gi-Oh player. But then now I'm, I basically have sort of like two audiences, right? Those who are coming for Cyber Dragon content and those who are coming for data videos and mm -hmm. ones that may not be interested in the other content. Uh, some no. watch both, not going to lie. But realistically, most of it's going to be, you know, people who are coming for data videos are most likely not interested in the Cyber Dragon stuff, right? Because it is a rogue deck. It's not something, you know, a lot of people will be playing for a competitive event. So mm -hmm. I always get worried that, you know, when I post a video that they didn't come for, that they'll just be kind of turned off by the channel, right? Yeah. So I think, I, and I've done multiple polls in terms of how they feel about it or like what they come to the channel for. And it seems to me for the most part, like fine. It's not enough for where they feel like they need to unsubscribe because they see content, you know, that's not what they came for. And I do try to be, I am more focused on data videos, I admit. But the yeah. Cybergram videos, I would say technically are the ones that do best performance wise and they're also i would say you know they've been with me the longest and i certainly wouldn't just stop making that kind of content either mm -hmm. uh so yeah hopefully i can create this you know harmonious like audience where they don't mind when a different content yeah. comes i think you know it's it's not like i'm all of a sudden making a video on like a completely different trading card game right then that'd be too drastic but mm -hmm. yeah you know hopefully people don't mind that's always been my i'd say my main concern with the channel in terms of my audience and you know hoping that they're okay with seeing a con uh you know a video that doesn't relate to them and they just skip it and they just wait for the next one mm -hmm. so this is something that i've been seeing with a lot of the the more like like the middle or like the middling like up or up and coming youtubers that are around is that they started kind of branching off doing like several different topics that may not appeal to like the first topic like well, let's take myself for example like i, I obviously started this entire channel as just a, a strict podcast channel and then i recently started uh doing news and i've had comments on some of my friends and viewers where they say like i i'm i like your podcast i'm not i don't really care too much for your news and then i and vice versa like i like your news but i don't really care for your podcast and then you see a lot of other people they might do like they might do Yu-Gi-Oh for one thing and then they might stray off and do like a different game like digimod or they might stream like video games or something like that and it, I, I feel like that could like polarize your audience a little bit and i i don't know if that you would consider that a, a good thing or a bad thing like would you think that like doing a lot of like separate con like separate content and trying to expand too much can be like a, a bit of a bad thing because it polarizes the audience or do you have like a different opinion on the matter so i think like for your example like if it's like news and podcast i think that's like really close enough that that's totally fine posting but if i'm <laughs> thinking more like if you start posting like the digimon card game or like magic for a Yu-Gi-Oh channel then i think that's not a good idea and mm -hmm. that's something where i've done just like before starting the channel i did a lot of like general youtube search on like oh how to create a channel and and you know it's like you need to kind of stick to that audience right like not a lot of people are playing multiple card games and mm -hmm. it's not enough in a competitive level mm -hmm. so as i think as long as it's within Yu-Gi-Oh, it would still work mm -hmm. so yeah i mean for me i think there's also pros and cons right so for example by starting with the very deck specific content in terms of cyber dragons, the pros mm -hmm. were that I had this community that I was already sort of familiar with and it allowed you to grow a little faster from the get go mm -hmm. um, because 
you know, people come for this specific content. The cons of that, though, of course, is now your overall growth. You have this, you know, good growth at the beginning, but when you do deck specific content, you're not going to grow as large over the course because there's only so many Cyber Dragon players, for example, right? Mm -hmm. And then data videos, that's when I, I think it kind of came at a good timing, though. You know, you kind of build your base first, and then I start trying to expand, but I have to put a good mix. So, for example, I almost never post back-to-back -back Cyber Dragon content because I don't want people yeah. to think that, you know, it's like the new subscribers, I mean, I don't want them to think, oh, man, is this only Cyber Dragon? It's like, no, no, no. Mm -hmm. It's like, to be honest with you, it's mostly data-related videos, but there's going to be some sprinkles of Cyber Dragon content. And, yeah. But there always will be. I'm not going to just stop doing that. I, I think my Cyber Dragon viewers are very, very, like, super loyal, and, you know, I would want to bring the content that they want to see as well. So, yeah, I mean, I guess, yeah, I would say we can't be too polarizing, right? Like I said, in terms of the extreme examples of a different game. Because you see these, like, random YouTube channels where they'll have, like, some videos of, like, them being at a concert. And then there's, like, a video of, like, Yu-Gi-Oh! And then there's a video yeah. of, like, an anime review. Like, all in the same channel. And that's when you see these, like, channels with, like, they may have some subs because they have, like, one viral video or something. But they don't mm -hmm. get a lot of views because it's just all over the place, right? Yeah. And so at some point, people will probably click, like, oh like not interested and then it just like stops recommending and one thing i wish youtube would have is when you make a video i wish there was i know they have tags but i want like more legit tags where let's say you can say like for me for example i can have a tag where it's data videos and i can have a tag where it's cyber dragon content so in the future when people viewers see a video they can yes. say oh only show me the videos with a data tag in my mm -hmm. recommended and just don't show me cyber dragons right Mm -hmm. I think that would be really good because then I'm worried when someone sees like a Cyber Dragon video and they click not interested, then mm -hmm. it would just no longer recommend any videos from my channel at all, right? Mm -hmm. So I think if there was some kind of like like accurate tag system like that, mm -hmm. it'd be kind of nice rather than having to like create a separate channel for each one, even though it's yeah. still part of Yu-Gi-Oh! I think that'd be kind of nice. Yes. Yeah. It, it, well, for, first of all, just to that point, I, I think now that YouTube has started to implement like like hashtags where you can actually like, you know like do like they did on Twitter where you could like click on a hashtag and then it kind of like send you this kind of list of stuff that you that you could like look through. Uh, is that something you ever considered trying to do, or is that something you even you even knew of to begin with? I remember I noticed that like way back when I first started channel, but I never like got, I I wasn't even sure how to do that actually. I don't know if there was like a separate section to put so, a hashtag or if you just put that in the video description and it automatically comes up at the top i think it like showed like three hash up to three hashtags but yeah I, I don't know like i'm never i was never like a hashtag person to begin with in terms of like twitter or instagram yeah. so i wouldn't i don't know I, I should probably try but i'm just i just go with like the video description i remember it early on i tried kind of experimenting in terms of like i would try to s type some keywords and see if my video would come up and mm -hmm. i found whatever tags i put it just like never worked but whatever i had in the video description did work so i tried yeah. to just fit a lot of things in there hoping that it would come up but i don't know i find the search for like search algorithm for youtube isn't that great you know for example if you have like you know meta and like cyber dragon and then kind of like a few words later you have like july 2021 and someone searches cyber dragon july 2021 it doesn't necessarily come up even though you think it'd be obvious right yeah like it, but it's like it has to be like literally like that sometimes like just word for word back yep. to back so yeah it, it, the youtube search algorithm i find is a little weird and they're recommended certainly favors towards bigger content creators mm -hmm. whenever you search anything and that's usually what comes up first 
Yeah, because I think it's also fairly recent that they introduced it as well. So it may not mm. be like a, a perfected or a really polished a polished like algorithm yet. I'm not sure yet. I just started doing it not too long ago, but I don't have, really have any enough data to really like form a conclusion on it yet. It's just something I started. So that's something that I have to kind of monitor moving forward. But I, I know that I was told by one of my YouTuber friends just uh, out of anecdotal ev- uh, evidence here that you know, like just try it out and just just see if it see if there's any trending that changes or whatnot. So mm-hmm. I, I'm trying that now. I, I don't know if it's working, but <laughs> I, I'm sure eventually I'm gonna amass enough data to to, to really see that uh, see the result. But who knows for now? I, I can't. I don't have an opinion for it now just because I don't have the data in front of me. No pun mm-hmm. intended. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then to to further go with uh, another point. Um, about uh, we were talking about the you know kind of like the polarization of, of putting different content like th- that's what I did too with my channel like for the first the first year all I did was just just podcast because that's what I wanted to be known as I just wanted to do like podcast 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 and it wasn't until about like a month or two ago where I finally started okay let's let's start doing news now now that I've built uh, you know a little bit more of a following but at the but at the same time it still relates to it still relates to like the gimmick that I'm putting out. Like I put up, like I put out that I'm a journalist. That's what I do. And you know, podcast and news that's, that's all tied with journalism. And that, that's kind of the same thing with, with you in a sense where you, when you do data, you kind of branch out and just starting to like data, like not just like deck lists or meta. Now you start branching out to like, of, like certain situations as well, but still implementing like, data into it. So you feel like you agree with me or you have a differing opinion of like where you should probably build yourself up a base first before you start to kind of branch out and try to do other things. Yeah, I mean, that's interesting. I mean, because I'm obviously not an expert. I've only been doing YouTube for a year. But I mean, yeah. for me personally, I tried building a base first because it's not just about whatever video ideas. It's like, do you even want to do YouTube in the first place? And yeah. I think another thing, the reason why I started with Cyberdyne content was that I was com- confident with it. I knew enough things to say for the first few videos that I went with that. And it was just more of like building your comfort level, I would say. I mean, if you want to, you know, venture out and just c- try completely different things from the beginning, like, sure, if it works, I mean, mm-hmm. great. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, but, you know, YouTube is certainly a tough world in terms of starting <laughs> out. I mean, thinking back, I remember, I think my first, like, day, I had, like, four subscribers. And keep in mind, three of them were just, like, my friends, and one was, like, my personal channel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, it was, like, not even actual new people. So it's it's a very slow start. I mean... For example, my first video, if you were to look, I think it has something like 850 views, but it's like when I first posted that for like the first three or four days, it was at like 10 views. Like it was like slow. And I expected that I had like super low expectations. It was like 11 views at one point. It was like four of them were for me. So yep. <laughs> yeah, but you know, it's, it's a, it's a slow start. Sometimes you get lucky and I think you do get blessed by the algorithm. Sometimes I've yet to be blessed at all, but you know, maybe one day it happens. And I think pandemic was uh, a situation where probably, you know, a lot of people started trying YouTube. I mean, I know there were a lot of YouTube videos on like how to start a channel in 2020. I mean, that's sort of how it got me in. And yeah, you know, it's just a lot of trial and error. It's hard to get. You can watch all these videos you want in terms of like, oh, these are what you should do to get the best views. But I don't know. I found it was pretty hard to have like a concrete answer. It's just quite different for each channel. And yeah, try your best. 
Well, you and I started our, our the YouTube our YouTube channel. Well, really, I rehashed mine, but we you pretty much started yours the same around the same time. I rehashed my channel. So, what decided for you that you actually wanted to start your YouTube channel and like incorporate data into it? You know, it's so funny that this is the reason I started the channel. But basically, so so at the time of recording this, it's July 26th, right? So um, my first video was actually July 24th of last year. So <laughs> essentially, you know, and I remember watching this like pack opening Yu-Gi-Oh video. It was like some complete random person. I have no idea what that channel was. But I remember thinking like, man, this is like really low quality. It was just like, I'm like, surely I could at least do better than this, which is funny. <laughs> I never ended up doing any form of like pack opening anyways, but it's just funny that of all things, it wasn't some like amazing video that motivated me to do it, but it was more like, mm. you know what? I could at least do something like this and see how it goes. I have some extra time and let's kind of start looking into it. So I looked into, you know, how to create a YouTube channel, like, you know, logos and whatever, just like all these basic things. And I quickly learned about mics and how important it is because my very <laughs> first video, I used my laptop mic and yep. it is so terrible. I didn't really understand. I mean, it's not like I've ever done anything close to this and I didn't understand how like, oh, like laptop and cell phone mics, they pick up like everything in the background. Yeah. Like my yeah. girlfriend was watching TV and laughing and it was just like clearly picked that up. And then you start learning how important mics are in terms of reducing <laughs> background noise but yeah i'm totally going on a tangent here i honestly don't even remember the question <laughs> but yeah. like how you got the, how you got started with the with your youtube channel and then you you went off with you know seeing like one other video and thinking you could do better yeah yeah it's it's funny um so i, I thought i'd just make a video and then i think so yeah my first video was oh this is my kind of plan was that I didn't want to, like I said earlier, you know, you kind of want to have that balance of saving the right video until you get a little bit more following. So very first video, I knew it was going to be terrible. So I'm like, you know what? Let's do like a dueling book replay commentary. It's super low effort. Like it, oh no, I shouldn't say that. Sorry. I, sh I really shouldn't say that because I love DV Grinder. Um, um, it, I would say it's, it, it's not as time consuming. That's probably the better word. So yeah. I did that and yeah. So obviously I didn't have any high expectations. And the next one I did was like, cyber dragon ruling videos which i would say was more applicable and more helpful mm -hmm. so yeah that's where I, and oh and the way it helped out was i have another friend from that cyber dragon community team set pass at that point he had about close to a thousand subscribers and he actually like did a quick screen capture of like my channel and one of his next videos saying like oh hey you know he started a youtube channel and the reason why some people in that group may have known me was I was on Team Sam's channel a few months before that for winning the OTS championship. Mm -hmm. So that's sort of how he introduced me and I got some traction there. And I mm -hmm. think that I personally think that was very, very important because it was so hard to get subscribers at the beginning, right? And like if you ask yourself, like if you didn't have a YouTube channel, because otherwise you kind of know the feeling, but like if you see a channel and they only had like three subscribers, it's going to be hard to convince yourself to subscribe, right? Like it's very yeah. hard. Like you want them to have some more videos first and things like that. But that initial push, I think really helped me. And mm -hmm. then I wanted to start putting some different content, like something that would be more applicable to people. So I started venturing out to data videos. It didn't really do well, to be honest with you, all of them at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of took my time until I would say one time I did like an LCS hand trap video. And that was actually my second time I did that. The first one, it wasn't that great. The second time I decided for the first time, I'll post it on Zodiac Facebook group. And so this is where my Yu-Gi-Oh friends, other than my like very small group um, that I already told, 
Uh, mm-hmm. That's when they realized I had a channel as well. And it, it did, it received pretty well on Facebook. And then I think that's where um, uh, Nicholas, John, and Hani from Luxury Gaming, they reached out, they wanted to collaborate. And then I did some LCS breakdown posters and deck lists and videos for them. Uh, yes. And that, you know, helped me grow as well. And then eventually I just got, I was just like too busy. I couldn't, because re- you have to reliably like make time Saturday and Sunday to be able to do that. Yeah, you're really I wasn't confident I could do that, which would be a disservice to them. So I, I told them like, I, I can't do it anymore. But, you know, it's been great. It was a great experience. I love them. They're really mm-hmm. cool. So yeah, yeah. I think that's where my channel really gained traction was that November when I officially started doing like LCS stuff. And the meta analysis sort of, that's when it first formed as like a monthly series. Mm-hmm. And so I think from there, I kind of experienced steady growth. And I did hit a stalemate. And then that Farfa shutout did pump me up. And then from there, I think this YCS top was like the best one so far in terms of like, you know, it brought a lot of people to my channel. I recently yes. did a get self blow for Team Sam. That brought some, you know, uh, traffic as well. Of course, he's like the biggest YouTube channel. I think other than maybe... I know Simply Unlucky has more subscribers technically, but he's like a pack opening channel. So yeah. it's a little different than like, you know, deck profile, that kind of channel. And Team mm-hmm. APS, I would say, is also up there in terms of size and views. But yeah, so it certainly helps when you have a big channel that you get to sort of guest upload and shout your own channel out. And yeah. Yeah, yeah those endorsements can like really turn the tide on it. Because I know that uh, cr- Crush Cards, for example, uh, they, they went, to, I don't know, were you at that, no- first of all, were you at that November 30th regional uh, at the uh, at UFT? Uh, so it's funny. I was actually visiting my parents back home in Vancouver at that point. So I was not there, but I knew that very well because so my close friend, Eric, is the one that came second place with trains in that regional. Ah, uh, so yeah, the train strikers. I yep. was following Team Sam's channel closely for that, just to wait for that deck profile to come up. And then I saw yep. uh, Logan from Crush Cards. I mean, I don't know them too well personally. Yeah, uh, we've ta- talked like very, very briefly when I was doing this one Yu-Gi-Oh player survey video. But yeah, no, it was it was like a super great profile. I know their channel exploded from that. I remember listening to that podcast on your channel, and I know they grew a lot from the Team Sam exposure. So yeah, there's obviously a really big effect when you have uh, uh um, what you call it, a big channel shouting you out or being featured on their channel. But at the same time. It, it does matter also in like the content you bring anyways and your personality. They're obviously very bubbly and they're very fun to watch. So mm-hmm. sort of mended together and worked really well. And I would say, I think it's also very impressive because I think their channel was really small before they got that shout out. Right. I think. It, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You're right. So I think that's impressive because, you know, even when you get a shout out from a big channel, if they're not that established, it can still be kind of hard to grow like you. Yep. But I think, because they already saw what she was like and same with Brian, you know, like they're, they're like, they just seem like super fun people. And so, yeah, I think it like just like created this really good storm where they just like exploded and then they decided to like really commit to that channel more than they have been. And so, yeah. Yeah. That's definitely half of it too, because after they got that shout out, I know that I didn't really hear of them before that shout out, but after they got that shout out, they, they did get a little more popular, but once they did get it, like they worked their tails off like crazy in order to like keep that following and then grow it as well. Like I, I've had numerous conversations with them and they, they tell me about their sleep schedule, how much work they have to actually put into it, how much like sleep they've sacrificed or how like late they would have to sleep in just to be able to get the sleep that they would need to be able to, you know, fully function on it. And it's, it's absolutely extraordinary 
how much work they put into it. I think they just reached 30,000 subscribers mm-hmm. today or not too long ago. So congratulations to them. I know I did that on, on a personal level to them uh, earlier in the day, but you know, that, that's, that's just a half of it. You know, like you can only, you can be shouted out, but you really have to capitalize on that momentum or else you might like lose your following because if you, you might, you might be out of the algorithm or something like that, if you're not posting for, for quite a while and then that's, that's not something you want to do. Like you want to, you want to keep being known and kind of put out that content. So that way people are like constantly reminded, or at least like in some way, like have your face out there on, on YouTube because like, I know the, the algorithm can be, can be wonky or weird. Like, I don't know how exactly it works or whatnot, but uh, you know, you have to put out content at least, to be known and at least be seen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and it's funny for me because you know, being blessed by the algorithm, algorithm is rare. So I told myself, you know what, the other way of getting your channel to yes. sort of do really well is actually sort of top this extravaganza or wasias, right? Because it sort of mm-hmm. becomes this like lottery ticket in a way for your chance to grow. For example, <laughs> I know with like Yishan, you know, I'm a fan of his channel. Like he did, he's obviously mm-hmm. a really good player. He does well to begin with, but he did. I think particularly well one extravaganza and yes. then he was on like MSC TV's channel and then like he like that's when his channel like really like started growing and now like consistently so mm-hmm. like those kind of like event pops can make a difference and this is where when you play like a rogue deck too that helps even more because even though you're not going to top consistently when you do top it actually gathers a lot of attention right mm-hmm. so yeah so I was hoping you know who knows I was like maybe one day I'll do better I only participated in one extravaganza because they happen on a Sunday and they go really late and we're in the time zone. It's like ridiculous. I think it goes to like, I heard it went to like 3 a.m. in one instance and I'm not going (laughs) to stay up for that when I have work the next day. And the only reason I joined the May extravaganza was because the Monday was a holiday in Ontario or I I don't know. I forget what what was that? Victoria Day? Victoria Day. All of Canada. (laughs) And so I did that and I actually did, technically I was doing well. The very last round if um, I lost to the Mystic Mind player that finished 14th, who mm-hmm. topped. So basically, if I won that final round, I'm kind of confident I probably would have finished in the top 16 because I the, another player I lost to also finished in top 16. So I probably had good tiebreakers. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that was a bummer. It sucks like playing till late with the potential to top and then just kind of lose at the end, especially to Mystic Mind. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Because I was the only rogue deck I played all day. I'm like, I was like beating like dragon like prank kids like left and right. And then I'm like, oh my god, like this is the one deck I lose to. And then <laughs> I, yeah, I didn't join any extravaganzas since then. I don't really plan to again because it's Sunday. I think there was one like just like the past weekend, right? And I didn't even like, I actually yeah. didn't even really know about it. And then yeah. the YCS was better because it was like, oh, it's Saturday. And then technically on Sunday, but I didn't even expect that. I was like, if I can make day two, that'd be great. But if not, that's totally fine. And yeah, it ended up being. Uh, you know, going smoothly, and I did do well, fortunately, and yeah, it was definitely a good uh, step for my channel, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, I remember you you actually, you almost forgot that you had to play another I did not round. know, exactly, it's because I'm a UV player, and I don't know how to read, and the way I interpreted the website <laughs> was that it said 1 to 16th would go to the live stream, so I just assumed, after Swiss, the standings, those are the people that go to the live stream. Yeah. So that's why I posted on Facebook what I was playing. I posted on YouTube, like Twitter. And then I got a notification. I got like a Discord notification saying the pairings are up. And I thought it was for a side event. But I yeah. checked anyways just to be safe. And they said I was at table six. And I'm like, what the hell? And then I, yeah, and I quickly found out there's actually first round of talk cut. That's <laughs> a whole lot more sense, by the way. I'm like, yeah. okay, this is, this is a lot more fair. 
Um, and then, so I show up like super flustered. I, I like, keep in mind at this point, I cleared my setup for remote duel. I, I was about to start, like, you know, I was going to make food <laughs> yep. and then I could just like throw my map back in the table. I just like turned the camera on. It wasn't even like facing the right direction. I'm just like, I'm here. I don't know what time it is. Like, <laughs> but, and luckily it didn't actually start and they had a judge at every table in discord, which was kind of cool. Actually, it was nice. Yes. And yeah. So, and it was funny. My opponent actually, he was already subscribed to me. It was so funny. And yeah, he was super cool. I mean, I, I was like pretty flustered starting that match. I really didn't care. I, I I know some people may say he's just saying that, but I genuinely was so happy that I topped. I did not care how well I did in this first round of top cut. And it yeah. actually did go to game three. I didn't, I, yeah, it was, uh, I'm not going to reveal what he was playing because it's still ongoing, but yeah, he was super cool. I, yeah, I lost in game three and I was still super happy. I mean, yeah, top 16, you get a prize card. That'd be super nice. I get like a play mat. So it's like a drastic decline in private <laughs> support. But yeah. you know what? The play mat looks pretty dope. So I'm happy it's still in the mail. Being in Canada, it takes like a month to get here. Oh my God, right? Bad. Yeah. So I'm pretty excited to start putting that in my deck profile videos. And mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, it was, uh, it was quite, the, quite the day. I, was, I just couldn't believe it. I mean, I would definitely share the same sentiments with you as well if I topped the YCS and uh, I would lose in top cut because I, I know that like when I played a lot of regionals way back then, we would actually play out till like the top cut. We'd actually play out top eight, at least till top four, because at least the pricing was at the same. And it wasn't until they decided to just say, all right, for regionals, we're just going to say we're just going to end it at Swiss because we don't want to waste any more time because we now pair judges and whatnot so that i understand but i i if i ever lost in top cut and like top eight only happened once surprisingly by the way when i did top and like i didn't feel bad at all it's like you know what i i made the top cut and i'm happy or if i was if i topped a regional and i came like fifth to eighth but not first to fourth i'd be like i don't care i topped eight the event that's my goal and i and i would be happy with it and even if i didn't get that deck box I'm like i got the playmat i got the top i had the credential like that's that's a feather in my cap i'm not going to and I'm not going to like poo poo myself on that for, for making that accomplishment sort of thing. So I, I'm with you. Like my, my one and only uh, YCS top, I topped 32. Like I was eight off the Swiss and I won my top 32 match, but lost my top 16 match. And you know, that, that was the point. I think I would have got like a Nintendo DS or something like that, which I really mm. wanted because my other one was starting <laughs> to like really like, like hit the bed and whatnot. So I'm like, I could use a new DS, but you know, I, I got beat by Jesse Cotton. I mean, no, no, mm. no big surprise here. But I was still happy to make that top anyway. So I, I'm sure that, like, you felt that same way too when you lost to Mystic Mind. Unfortunately, I had to beat to Mystic Mind, but I, I'm sure you were just happy with just making that top. Yeah, and you know, like I started playing competitively like January of 2019. So I actually played longer in the pandemic than in real life. And so in total, <laughs> I've been. I played four regionals in total. So two yep. of them I played True Draco. One was Pendulum, and then one was Cyber Dragon. When I was kind of early in it, I probably played maybe like two months at that point. And then I've been in two ICSs in total. One was the only one in real life was the 2019 Niagara. I played yep. Pendulums, and I lost seven of eight die rolls day one. I did not do well. I basically uh, won like any game I won. I went first. Any game I went second, I lost, and yep. it just didn't work out. And I remember that was the event where I was telling myself. You know what? I should play a going second deck because I don't want to care about die roll. It was like <laughs> stressful to me. You know, uh -huh. I'm not like Triff Gaming, who, you know, he actually did give me, uh, uh, for people listening, I guess, like we, we go to the same locals. So, you know, he was super cool. Like he gave me a lot of good advice. But, you know, I just was not a good pendulum player. And I just needed, 
something else where I wasn't diral dependent. And I, like, let me tell you, like my stress level, whenever I summon Electromite was so high and I was just always bracing for impact. And I'm like, I can't do this. Like, <laughs> I need like <laughs> a going second deck and you can actually like trace back my Reddit post history and you'll see how I like come eventually to Cyber Dragons. I had these like um, commenters that like helped me learn how to, so I basically learned how to play deck through Reddit. It was funny. And then, yep. yeah, I kind of went from there and, I, it's funny because I start so I started competitive play with True Draco and then I probably played that for like three months. It was good mm-hmm. to start out because I didn't really know the rules, and so <laughs> then I played Pendrums for like six months and then after that it's been Savage Dragon since, especially because like the pandemic. I didn't want to like switch decks. And now, uh, now that I started a channel, I feel like I can't really switch decks anymore. <laughs> so <laughs> I think I'll just uh, keep playing this until I eventually quit the game. But yeah. I mean, you could kind of do what Trift does, because, like, that... Okay, going back to that ill-fated regional, that's been mentioned a million times, that November 30th regional, you're, you're off in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. And I, I had to play Trift that day, and I knew he wasn't playing Pendulums that day, and I, and I he topped that event. Yeah, Striker Orcus, right? I remember. Yeah, Striker Orcus, yep. I, I lost, by the way. I lost in the bubble. I was very upset, because I bricked both games. I will, not let, I will not let that get past me. Wait, is that the and, one where you got deck-checked, and then you bricked? That's exactly what happens. Yeah, I uh, and like I, oh my god, I, I don't blame the judges one bit, but it's just tough <laughs> that it happens. It's like, oh, I can't believe that happens. But uh, anyway, like I remember, like after that regional, like Triff made a video. It's like, like pendulums, like are like no longer like the best deck, or like they're the worst deck now, or like they're not. They, they he kind of like did like a teaser, and then he just kind of did like Joe, like jokes, lol, trolled you. No, no, I'm I'm still on the pendulum boat, and that could be. Yeah, you know something that you could do moving forward if you ever ever decide to to stray away from cyber dragons for even just temporarily <laughs> and just kind of make that a like just a fun little gimmicky thing and kind of see the more like the lighter side of you in a sense because because uh, because the way your channel's like demeanor is yeah yeah i think initially during the pandemic like the early days you know i wasn't I, because especially when i didn't have a channel i wasn't like i was looking into another deck to play i honestly I think if I were to play another deck, I would definitely like to play Pendulum Magicians again. It was super fun. I mean, hey, and I mean, Electromite's not here, so I'm not as stressed. No, I'm just kidding. But I mean, <laughs> yeah, I think, but I don't know. It's It takes a while to sort of, at least for me, to really get the nitty gritty of the deck, right? And so mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. I'm just like comfortable with it. Yeah. And I mean, so I have two good friends, um, Miguel and Drew, and they're both known to play heroes. Like I swear, like their entire Yu-Gi-Oh life. And <laughs> actually, they were both on Team Sam's channel. Now that I think about it, but you know, they're great players. And it's weird. I know a lot of players will want to keep playing a new deck over time, right? But I actually liked being like that guy at locals that plays one particular like rogue deck, right? Like I have another pr- friend, Sebastian. He plays like Necrog, and so like things like that stand out. And of course, the downside is people know what you're playing all the time. On the yeah. other hand, it almost like I, I almost don't care because I, I would literally like show up at locals with like a Cyber Dragon playmat and Cyber Dragon field center. It's just like wow, I wonder what this guy's playing. <laughs> so yeah, you know, I, I mean, of course, for regionals, I would not bring those mats. So. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, I think I, I like just playing the one deck. Um, but like I said earlier, it is ideal that you at least play online with other tier one and tier two decks. And I'm not quite sure I really have time for that. I'd like yeah. to. I, I feel like in a way. Maybe I'm just making an excuse when I do actually have time to do that and I'm just choosing not to. Yep. And I don't know. You know what? Maybe I just don't want to like try to take the time to learn. Because I don't know. I, I find it takes me a while to learn a new deck. And so maybe mm-hmm. it's just not meant for me. And I just essentially I use like my best judgment. 
And I also rely on videos like, for example, MSC TV and Pack. They do like these really great videos on like hand traps, when to hand trap, or whatever going second cards. So things like that. That's very very useful, and I use that as well. And I think, in a way, maybe this is encouraging because for other people who they also may not have all the time in the world to play this game and play every deck, right? Yeah. So there's still a chance you could top. It's not going to happen consistently. I'm I'm certain like. I don't expect to top a YCS consistently. I'm probably a one-hit wonder, to be real. Like I, I think that's I think I already peaked. <laughs> so <laughs> and I'm, I'm I'm happy with that. Like to say, you know, I, I still can't even like I I still can't even believe I can say I topped the YCS, but yeah. And I'm not going to. I'm not gonna like say that. I'm not really the type to really, you know, talk about those things, I guess. I mean, for example, with like the Cyber Dragon community, they some people will say, Oh yeah, he's like one of the best in the community or whatever. And I really, really like brush that off. I don't want that kind of title or, you know, recognition. I would think that would just put unnecessary pressure for me. You know, I just want to have fun. And so, you know, if someone wants to be known as like the best cyber dragon player or, you know, the quote unquote cyber dragon God, you know, like they can go for it. Like I'll support you. That's yeah. not the thing I want. And so, yeah, that's just sort of my take. I have a little bit more time than you just because I, I think I know like the how to play other decks a little bit better. <laughs> but but I, I'm kind of on the same boat with you and like not being able to learn like so many other decks because I, I have actually yet to play against a, a Tri Brigade deck. Aside from I think I played a tournament on Saturday for fun, but the I bricked both games. I was playing Drytron. Mm -hmm. I bricked both games. So I really didn't have much of an idea of how it worked. And it was also uh Melfi's mixed into it. So it wasn't really mm -hmm. a true tri-brigade deck. So I still have no idea how they fully operate. So like I'm in the dark about it. And mm -hmm. you know, I think the pandemic has a, a little bit to something to do with this because I don't play as many tournaments as I do with remote yeah. tools. Like I have a setup and everything like that, and I totally could play if I wanted to. Like I still play them like some of the special days, not like the like the extravagance or anything like that, but like if there's anything that like a, a, a locals would run, like like a removal invitational, something like that, or like a Yu-Gi-Oh day, like I, I would play in those because I really enjoy playing those and kind of challenge myself playing against those rogue decks. But yeah, for some reason I just haven't played a, a tri brigade deck, and you know when I play drivetrons, like you, you you basically breathe on them and then they're in trouble already. That, <laughs> yeah, that's I, yeah, and you know one thing. So before the pandemic, I actually never played online, like hardly. Yeah. I yeah. maybe I would like do a quick test on like dueling nexus just to see if like the plays I was trying to do was like legal because it's like automated. But yeah. one thing that pandemic has shown me is that you know I just started playing dueling book and it was very helpful. You get to go through a lot of matches in a shorter period of time than like in locals where you probably spend like four or five hours for four matches, right? And in yeah. that span, you could probably play like 10 matches on dueling book. And you know, just going through trial and error, like you make misplays. And I try to I try my best if it's something that can is more generic than I try to write it down. So for example, like something simple, let's say you, your opponent, like call by the graves, your hand trap, then you should keep in mind if they try to call by, the, or if they try to activate that same hand trap, when your turn rolls around, it's like, it's going to be negated. Right. But so yeah. like, generic things like that, I'll, like if I make a misplay like that, I'll like try to write it down. So I know for the future. And I think mm -hmm. through dueling book, I got better at those kind of things where I, I'm constantly reminding myself, like, what are the things I have to look out for? Right. Like how many summons have I done so far? Or, you know, what, my life point at because early days when i first when anaconda was first released there were instances where i would go into anaconda and i realized i'm like oh man i'm at like below 2000 i can't even do it like <laughs> so, so you learn through mistakes right like and you'd much rather make these misplays in dueling book than even like a locals because at least at locals you can get some kind of prizing right like mm -hmm. just on dueling but it's just like internet points it's like you know it's whatever like you lose it's fine but so yeah i think being able to just grind not that I can really grind anymore. I'm talking about in the days where 
I didn't have the channel, but yeah, you know, I think making misplays, it's like you get to learn a lot from it. And that's sort of how I've come to learn now because I find I'm trying to spend all the time I have to play my own deck. So I basically just learn through misplays and, you know, I try hand trapping at certain situation. Did it work? Did it not? I don't know. And so, yeah, things like that. Yeah. And that's what I always do every time I, I always lose. I always think back, okay, like, what could I have done better? Like, where did I go wrong? Like, why did I lose? You know, it's asking those kind of questions that really help you, like, you know, (laughs) improve as a player. Like, I, we all know that we've had that story where people would like always put like the blame on something else or someone else where, where they lost, you know, and it's easy to kind of brush that aside of yourself when you kind of put the blame on someone else. But it, you know, it takes a lot of like guts to be able to look at yourself and say, okay, okay, what happened? Like, did I misplay? Did I do something (laughs) wrong? And, you know, and you get better for it. I, I remember I was I talked with Dale Bledo and he told me there's that I don't count the wins. I don't count I count my losses. Mm. Those are the ones I, I, I truly remember. I don't remember any of my wins whatsoever, ex- with the exception of his his shilling jump championship win. Other than that, he just remembers his losses. And I, I think that's a big reason why him and Lazaros are so skilled is because they they always have that time to be able to reflect and like use that information for the next game. And, and we're starting to see a lot more accountability, I think, in at least a lot of the a lot of the better players. Like there's a lot more accountability in them. Like they don't put a lot of blame on like other outside factors. I mean, of course, luck is a product of of card games of course i would mm-hmm. assume that you would know that of all people a, a <laughs> yeah. data person statistician but you know but you know and sometimes they're right sometimes sometimes it's a product of luck that they would lose by but uh, at, at the same time you know you got to be able to analyze like what was a product of luck what was a product of skill what was a product of just like really really like really really bad luck and whatnot so you know being able to analyze that and take into the next game i feel is always important when anytime you play a Yu-Gi-Oh match yeah, no, it's for sure. I think that's one of the things where sort of the quantitative side helps. I mean, you know, you may brick, but I mean, although, like, keep in mind, like, like all these Yu-Gi-Oh events, even like a big event, for example, let's say it's like 12 rounds, like 12 matches, it's still like a very small sample size. So there's always going to be variance, like regardless of how consistent your deck is. And that's sort of the thing that, you know, I try my best to like acknowledge, right? Like, for example, when you have a bad hand and you just have to, face it it's like that's just part of the game and it's just it does happen sometimes and i think just staying composed really does help i mean like my very first game in the first round of ycs like i had the most unplayable hand i don't even know how i survived like three turns like i died obviously wow. but i think i drew like just like droplet droplet like cyclones and like red eyes black dragon and, like it was like literally unplayable. <laughs> wow. and to start out the ycs like that i'm like yeah it's just like one of those days you know but i try my best to like laugh it off and my game's two and three my hands weren't even good. Like I kept drawing red eyes or dark magician, like every single game. And then like game two was basically like Dragoon beat down. And then game three was like Nibiru beat down. So sometimes your hand isn't great, but you can, it doesn't mean you're going to lose. Like I did win that match, but it was just like a really awkward match. I'm like, I don't even know what deck I was playing. It was just so mm-hmm. weird, but yeah, you know, it, it, it's part of the game, especially when you're playing a rogue deck. I think the important thing is to like have realistic standards, right? It's like a rogue deck for a reason. It's yeah. not going to do consistently well all the time. Otherwise, it'd be tier one or two or whatever. And yeah. so, yeah, that's sort of why I had this like very like free, you know, mind, you know, going in. I was like, I just had baby steps. This is only my second YCS ever. Let's just try to make it to day two. And then I made day two. I'm like, I don't even care what happens tomorrow. And then <laughs> I somehow did really well. Like I started off with the tie and then I'm like, okay, that's not as bad as a loss at least. And then I won the next one like i won pretty 
handily. It was like tri-brigade and I just like 2-0'd him. And then yep. then it put a lot of pressure on me now because because I was 8-1-1 heading into the final round, that meant if I won, I guarantee a top spot. If I lose, I guarantee not making top cut because a good handful of more, like among the X2s, more X2s would not make top 32 than those that would, right? So mm-hmm. X11 was like, was a good spot technically it's better than what you could ask for if you were x2 for example but mm. it did put a lot of pressure and my last round it turns out um he goes to the same remote duo locals that i was participating in, which was carta magica mm-hmm. we haven't actually played against each other but he said he recognized my voice mm-hmm. so yeah it was a super super cool guy and we ended up having I, I honestly i played really well throughout the whole tournament but that match i was so nervous i made like such terrible misplays in games two and three, and I somehow still won. But man, it would have been terrible if I lost that. Because I just made, <laughs> like, for example, I remember I banished All Mirage with Pot of Prosperity because I didn't think I needed it anymore. And then I realized right after, I'm like, oh no, I still needed it. So I had to like crash my core into like one of his tribal game monsters, take like oh. 1500 damage just to get the core engraved. And I'm like, and, and not to mention, I lose a body, right? I'm like, wow, that was like super neg, but like, I literally had to do that to be able to activate a repair plant. So yeah. <laughs> I somehow managed to win game three too, man. I did not think I was going to win that. It was awkward start. And then I think I at least had like an imperm from like to stop him on like, I don't know, let's say like turn three. And then I had like, all I had were like one core on the field and two cosmic cyclones. Like it was not very intimidating. And I think <laughs> he didn't have like, or maybe I had another imperm and that's why I stopped his monster. And then he set two and passed. And then I double cycloned it, right? And at that point, I don't think he had any cards left in his hand anymore. And so I was able to like come back, but I, I just like, just throughout the whole event, I just had all these like really like awkward hands where it was like very normal to be honest with you playing this deck. So, you know, you don't necessarily lose all of them. Uh, you can like if play it out, you just have like weird wins, but a win's a win. So it works. I would say only time where I had like, a, where I felt I had like the most amazing, like perfect hand was last round of, day one which was against a really good player like i'm not gonna say names because i don't want to seem like i'm cloud chasing but yeah it was like the only reason probably why i won because he is such a good player he always kicks my ass like there was just no other world where i should have won and other than (laughs) that situation i feel because i just had a good hand and yeah it worked out and so yeah but other than that i was happy that it wasn't because you know i had these like amazing hands throughout the whole tournament no it's like they were yeah. very standard honestly but it just mm-hmm. worked out sometimes and yeah you just get a little lucky i guess well it's definitely something i wanted to talk to you about was your your actual deck itself because I, I think mm-hmm. it's fairly obvious at this point why you're running cyber dragons i think that's kind of been answered throughout the the entirety of this podcast but uh but looking at your deck it it looked like you were almost planned to just go second with it. Like, we understand that Cyber Dragons inherently are very good going second just by the whole nature of it. But it looks like you even added more onto that because I, I see that you had a triple, a double Lightning Storm and double Cosmic Cyclone, like triple Droplet, uh, for example, mm-hmm. and triple Purpose. Was Were you planning to basically just have it as a go second deck? Yep, yep. I would say Cyber Dragons are a, definitely a going second deck. Even the trap version of Cyber Dragons, you actually still go second. And I think it's just like it doesn't have any one card combos for the most part, right? I mean, technically, Core's a Dragoon now on its own, but still, like, you always need like two pieces and you just really need that sixth card. And mm-hmm. I would say the only deck like Drytron was, I would say, very difficult typically going second again. So that's something I would try to go first if I had the opportunity, like, post side. But 
And, you know, funnily enough, the three Drytrons I faced in the tournament, all three game ones I actually won, even though I went second and I didn't really yeah. like build my deck that way. I expected yeah. to lead game ones against Drytron each time. But mm -hmm. yeah, you know, if you draw like a hand trap or two, it works out. But yeah, definitely going second, which is not for the last little while, especially during the pandemic, since you know, Secret Slayers has not been great, to be honest with you. Like, Dino was an exception because they have something like Misk, which protects your monsters, right? Your Dinos. And if yes. I had something like that, that'd be really, really critical. Mm -hmm. But you think about it, for example, from when the pandemic started, you had Adam Emancipator, which was like full power, was just so bonkers in terms of what they could set up. Going second was like straight up so difficult. Synchro Eldritch, essentially, I would consider that as the most difficult deck to side against because you have combo aspect, you have control aspect, and you may side like, or you may draw the side cards and they just happen to not even like have much background. They just have a like combo or you have like Nibiru and then they just happen to like set five pass because they just didn't have that kind of hand. And mm -hmm. so that was like weird. And so you like throughout the whole period of the pandemic, you have Infernoble that hand rips. That's very difficult for going second decks. You have Buster Lock, Dragon Link. You have VFD that you just can't do anything. Mm -hmm. So it hasn't been great for going second decks. I just play it because I'm just stubborn. But yeah. I would say now it's certainly better than it was before, especially, for example, Sky Strikers. It's funny because Sky Strikers are also going second deck. But the good thing with that deck is you know they're not going to kill you. Like, mm -hmm. Whereas with Dinos, it's like, shoot, like if they make me go first and I just pass, they'll probably kill me, right? So yeah. it's a lot different dynamic. And Cyber Dragons have a very good matchup against, well, I wouldn't say very good, but Definitely a good, unique advantage over Sky Striker with the Mega Fleet and not triggering Ray. The yeah. downside is they do play a lot of hand traps, which, you know, it's kind of hard for Cyber Giants to play through too many hand traps. Depends on the hand. And yeah, same with Salad. We do have a pretty good advantage as well in terms of turning off the Roar if you can link away or fuse away their Link Monster for Mega Fleet. Yep. So that's what I expected, but I didn't face Sky Strikers at all during the tournament, and I played Salad only in round one, and that was it. So mm -hmm. I didn't really have any advantage other than Code Talkers, which is funny because, uh, and this was like round six. We were like both 5-0. He was doing really well, and he was also from Canada. Um, he you linked me, and then I like oh wow, summoned Cyber Dragon, and I'm like okay, goodbye. Like got rid of those two monsters and the extra monsters, but it was actually a very hard match. Honestly, like it was a tough fought game three. I mean, I, I, that was the first time I've ever played against that deck, and I was just like, I didn't know what to stop because clearly it wasn't working. Whatever I stopped, <laughs> like it just kept going. <laughs> I remember he started off with like Lady Debug. I'm like, oh okay, salad, and then like three seconds later, I'm like, wait, no, what is this? And it was just like, oh my god, I, yeah. yeah. And I didn't know most of the cards that he was playing, and I had to have him like explain to me, which I felt bad because it was just like so difficult because he'd be like, okay, this one's unaffected, this one can't be targeted, this one can't be destroyed with battle. Like, it was like, yeah. oh my god. Like, And their names were just like so damn long. Like, I, I just couldn't keep up. But yeah, it was certainly a fun deck. And I would say, I don't know if we're going to talk matchups, but yeah, it was like three Tri-Brigade, I mean, sorry, three Drytron, two Tri-Brigade, two Dogmatic mm -hmm. and Vokshadol. And then I had those mm -hmm. rogue decks that I mentioned, like Salad, um, Code Talker. The Orcus Mech Knight, he's actually top 16 right now. He was my only loss. Yeah. And then I, I'm... <sighs> Trying to remember what other rogue deck or what other deck I played against it. Kind of there's a oh, subterra dragoon. Oh wow, good yeah, good call. Yeah, it, it was subterra dragoon. He was um, I believe he had multiple YCS tops. I'm pretty sure I've seen him at Dolly's before. So yeah, he was. Uh, I was super scared of that deck. Like, it's funny. Game three, 
even though I sided going second because it's like I just have back row cards that those are like the only cards I can side against that deck. Mm-hmm. Um, he actually made me go first, and I actually preferred that. To be honest with you, I thought I was telling him I oh, personally really? that's a mistake because, and yes, I get it. I sided for going second, but it's like I would much rather go first against that deck in a way. Mm-hmm. And well, I guess maybe I shouldn't say that. Like I do, I did intentionally go second after I lost game one, but I, I think. It uh, maybe I should frame it as I don't mind going first. It might actually sometimes it just ends up being better. So I set up like Dragoon, Infinity. I don't know what else I had, but yeah, it was a uh, he. The game three I think didn't last too long. I I just think I don't think he was able to play through multiple interruptions. Whereas game one he had like the nuttiest hand. He had like <laughs> Red Eyes Fusion, like um the uh, field spell, uh, Hidden City, and then so you know you have the Guru, but he also had three hand traps. It was like holy, like I just cannot. Oh. I have a lot of extenders. Like, if he had just like one less hand drop, I would have like broken everything. But it was just like too much. But mm-hmm. I would say yeah, that one I was very scared of. But fortunately, I came out on top. And so yeah, I, I actually started out six zero. It was crazy. I, I didn't, and which is good because the moment you got six wins, you actually secured day two. Which at yeah. that point I was like, oh yeah, I'm 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 good here. And then yeah, I, I think I, I've oh yeah no. So I finished day one seven one. Right, so my loss was to that Orcus Mech Knight player, and then day two was like, like I said, I started with a tie and ended two wins. And uh, my last two matches were actually both against Tri Brigade. They came back to back, and yeah, so fortunately I won, and it was just a surreal moment. We, I know you kind of answered this already, but I'm just gonna reiterate this one more time. Mm-hmm. Were you, did you, were you hoping to like lose the die roll and have your opponents play first for? Oh yeah, that, that is. For sure, true because you don't want to reveal, I guess, in a way that you were intentionally trying to go second. Yes. Um, yeah. So it works out, but it's funny. One time against Drytron, uh, I did win the die roll, and I chose to go second. And he thought I was playing Sky Strikers, and yeah, I'm not sure. Why. He, I think he decided to just not play anything at all going first because maybe <laughs> he thought he shouldn't invest too much against Sky Strikers because I don't know, maybe they'll break the board. I still think he should have tried to do something. But because of that, it was like a lot easier for me to kill him because he just decided not to do anything because he thought I was playing Sky Strikers. Yeah. So that's where like it kind of worked out. Another example, I mean, this doesn't have to do with the die roll, but in terms of um, people thinking I was playing something else was that um, I played Cyber Emergency and he thought I was playing Drytron. So he yep. shotgun IP and he was also, he was playing Drytron. He shotgun IP and then he went into Appaloosa. Yep. He should have just waited until I searched something. But so seeing that, I'm like, you know what? I'm actually just going to search the original Cyber Dragon now. And then <laughs> I did that and I just got rid of the Appaloosa. And that that really changed things because the IP was actually, if he went into Unicorn, it would have been very problematic for me. Yep. And he just made things easier because he thought I was playing the wrong, different deck. So that was kind of funny that it worked out. Uh, oh my God. Like I, I have like one friend in my local who always plays... It's like side who plays Cyber Dragon like, all the time. Like it's kind of kind of like you in a sense where always plays it. So I'm always anticipating like whatever I throw in the whatever's in my extra monster zone. It's like okay, that's that's gonna be te- taken away or whatever. Or I, I'm I'm probably not gonna make the like the initial play. I'm gonna want to like I'm going to assume it's gonna die. And I also played against Cyber Dragons on on the Saturday tournament. It's like I okay that card is just gonna die or whatever. So I'll just like make unicorn and just try to disrupt it as much as I can. So I'm like, yeah, I'm not gonna throw an Appaloosa out against uh, a Cyber <laughs> Dragon player because that's <laughs> such a bad thing to do. 
And I remember I had the same philosophy as you of, of a going second deck. Like I wanted to lose every single die roll. I remember the last regional I topped was, I believe it was in 2019. And I was running, uh, I was running true Draco invoked or maybe it was 2018. Mm-hmm. I was running true Draco invoked and I was losing so many die rolls during that time. And I decided, you know what, let's just, let's just steer into the skid here. Let's, let's hope that I lose every single die roll and just place go second the whole time because true Draco has a lot of utility with their cards, like going second because you have like the disciples, the, 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 the apocalypse that can pop cards on your opponent's turn when you tribute it. So there's so much <laughs> utility in doing that. So that's why I'm like, okay, let's let them go second. And that's what like pendulums were really pe- prevalent then. Mm. And uh, I, I played a little bit of dinos there, but like, you know, but it was, ba- and other true Draco, like the Amato Iwato decks. Like, mm-hmm. they, like the floodgate one so they like going first because they can set up the floodgates but I, I found that the invoked engine going with true draco had a better going second matchup which is what i did and then i also made like triply evenly matched too to also like supplement that which is kind of what you did with like the double mm-hmm. like the triple droplet and the double lightning storm mm-hmm. yeah and i mean it depends on the format because for example when dinos are really popular then you know you have this going second deck as well and dinos I definitely want to win the die roll. Sky Strikers is, like I said earlier, it's okay because they're not going to kill me if I go first. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, it sort of depends. So right now, like, there's definitely Sky Strikers really popular online. So I am finding that, you know, oh, I'm being forced to go first. Like, they're probably playing Sky Strikers. Um, mm-hmm. And Mech Knight, too. And it gets, like, hard, right? Because it's like, oh, if you think your opponent's playing Mech Knight, you don't want to play anything. Like, you don't want to set anything. But then, <laughs> like, oh, they play Dinos. Oh, jeez. Like, they're just going to kill me now. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of a mind game. And I think, Going sec when you play going second decks, the other thing you have to account for is is your opponent going to make you go first or second, uh, post side. And one yeah. and I have been noticing is that I, I just find the tier one decks allies are just so good going first. There's no reason for them to force a going second deck to go first. It's just better for them to just keep going first. And yeah. that was a little different. For example, when Salamangri was tier one, that was a more sort of like a a balance like they could definitely go second right and i found in that kind of format they definitely made me go first a lot but then yeah. if you have a deck like for example like infernoble in its prime like why would you go second like you might as well just keep going first because you're gonna yeah. have a good time you're gonna rip their cards and they're not even gonna be able to play so yeah i do notice that i don't really have to think about that it's like they're probably just gonna make me go first and especially now with release of dragoon it's like i have some plays now going first if they were to force <laughs> me and if you look at my list if I don't, if I don't even know what they were playing after game one, because they just scooped, um, mm-hmm. basically the only true only going second cards are the lightning storms. Like the droplets, a quick play imperm that can also be set. You know, it's like I would then basically put an imperial order in like cosmic cyclone. Yeah, they got two lightning storms. That way, if I do go first, I can play those. And even if I go second, which did happen, and I drew the dogmatic, or sorry, I drew the imperial order against dogmatic and book Shadal, mm-hmm. and it, it's still good, right? Like it's such a blowout card. Like he played like. Um, Shadal Fusion, and I'm like, okay, Imperial Order, and then he had to scoop. So yeah, <laughs> it's just like a blowout card. I I do hope that card gets banned again, but yeah, it's that was sort of the mindset. Yep, and and again, when we look at your deck list, it's 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 funny because you also played uh, Dragoon as well, which is something I didn't really see in a whole lot of uh, Cyber Dragon builds. Like, did you find that you drew the, the dark magician and the, and the red eyes uh, or the, even the fusion card a lot during that tournament? Um, I would say like, a like your typical amount, like it wasn't surprising. Like I said, in my first round, I literally drew it every single time. 
Um, but yeah, I, I you know, you, you, it was just like I would say, like the quote unquote standard amount you would have expected to see, mm-hmm. and, and because you are playing three, like right, like there's three cards in that package. Yeah, and it's weird. And so first off, to from your earlier points, I would guys actually do play Dragoon quite a lot. I mean, a lot of people they don't want to, and that's understandable, right? Like a lot of people mm-hmm. kind of want to play it quote unquote pure, and I've, I've tried that as well. Honestly, it's good, but. From a competitive standpoint, the reason why I decided to play it was against a deck like Drytron. I decided the best option is just to intentionally go first. And mm-hmm. so Dragoon was very important. And so, yeah, you know, three cards in the package. The downside with, you know, the Red Eyes and Dark Magician, those are like the true bricks because they don't do anything and you have to keep it in your hand for it to be yeah. high. So I can't yeah. just like pitch it off to try a special Naxxer. Red Eyes Fusion, for us, hard drawing it is usually not good because that means we can't, OTK is easy because Dragoon Pop and Burn is very nice. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, against something like a back row heavy deck, that actually can be quite good because, okay, if they have something like that targets or something that pops, it's like you're safe now. So it, it's like a balance. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes when I hard drive with Ice Fusion, I just like don't even play it at all and I just try to go the traditional OTK route. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, it, it really depends on the situation. It, and one thing is, you know, it Obviously, it feels bad when you draw one of those cards, right? Yeah, it really but does. At the same time, one thing I realized was, you know, Cyber Dragons can, like, brick anyways, even if you don't play the package. And with the Red Eyes package, at the very least, that just means you just have to get to Anaconda and you can at least bring out Dragoon. And mm-hmm. that can make a very big difference, I found, in a tournament. And because sometimes you just don't have... You have all these, like, great going second cards. Like, you might draw, like, Droplet, Lightning Storm, and, like, whatever. But... The only play you have is just like core, in which case it can at least get you to Dragoon. And that might yeah. actually just be enough. And that's why I decided to play it. Yes, there are limitations, but I think the uh, the positives were just too good not to do it. Yeah. And yeah. I remember like uh, kind of going to what you said, like against like a bunch of back row decks where I would play Phantom Knights that had Dragoon in it. And if I hard drew uh, Red Ass Fusion, I, I would just play it on the spot. Or if I had, like, I also had Phantasmi because, you know, I had a bunch of cards that I wanted to put back in the deck that I didn't want. Like, for example, like, I, like, gra- like, I didn't want to draw Graph. I didn't want to draw Seer. And of course, I didn't want to draw the Dragoon package. So I would play Phantasmi to help kind of like be the mm-hmm. easy card to throw back. But there have been times where I'm like, no, I'm not going to send this. I'm going to send a different card back because I want to shotgun that Red Eyes Fusion because against like five back row, it's a little bit more safe to play that Red Eyes Fusion uh, rather than yeah, true. Yeah. Th- rather than just doing your combo because you're, it's more likely to be disrupted. And then odds are they don't have much to be able to stop you anyway after that. And then the next turn after, you can you can make your push because you have that security with Dragoon. Uh, that, that was my thought process. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, that's, and it's kind of... <laughs> weird for cyber dragons because it's like either okay do you choose to try to go for the otk or do you try to kind of play like control with dragoon first and like slowly poke right because yeah the downside is like if it gets ashed it's like oh man that really screws you but yeah yeah uh, but i think it, it brings a nice little balance and uh, like i said the pop and burn because we're going second deck that comes a lot, lot more for us because yes. that's how we started out and it's like huge especially when we have something like jizakuru like that's like 3300 right and so yeah. essentially our just typical sort of quote-unquote end board would be like Dragoon and Infinity with like the Anaconda, which essentially means if your opponent just has a monster, two monsters that add up to 2,000, like they're dead. Or if they have an empty board, you bring out Rampage instead, and then you attack three times with that, and then with another with Infinity for game. So mm-hmm. yeah, Dragoon really does bring it, uh, bring uh, you know a good aspect 
to being at the OTK. But if it does get banned, I, I mean, I just need Anaconda. We play that well before Dragoon because mm-hmm. it sends overload fusion. We really do need Anaconda. I, I, I can't imagine going back <laughs> to days where Anaconda was not around. I, I just can't believe yeah. I played the deck before the card was released. Yeah, and, and you know the Cyber Dragons actually was was a good call in one sense where you basically have four outs to, or like you have several outs actually to uh, the Dragoon because they're, they're, first of all they're not going to negate Cyber Emergency because you can just mm-hmm. pitch it back and then play it again of course so the essentially that gives you three extra outs to it because you search the Kaiju because mm-hmm. it, it searches that. I'm uh, no, sure no, 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 wait, no, it's a repair card that search. Oh, I'm sorry, yeah, yeah, Kaiju, but that means you also need a Cyber Dragon Engrave. But yeah, yeah, there's definitely certain outs to the Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, Kaiju, even like if you bait out one negate, like if you can go into Seeger, then it just becomes 4,200. You can attack over it. Yeah. So things like that. And I also play the Droplet, but I, I don't really, like in terms of Dragoon against my YCS opponents, obviously the Subterra one, one of the Drytron lists I played did bring out Dragoon, which I happen to have a Kaiju in hand. <laughs> I don't think I played against Dragoon that much actually nope. which is yeah. good like it's 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 quite hard to out right like like i mean yeah we have outs but it's like if you don't draw it hard draw it, it's like oh no <laughs> it's hard. yeah it's basically the consistency issue uh that goes along with running that package because there's so many times where i've drawn mm-hmm. dark magician red eyes and and the fusion itself where like where i don't have like natural means of being able to like have an additional use for it in some way shape or form like i i said like i've fodder to like put it back in my deck like phantasmia or something like that so or like or i, I don't even have like any discard fodder at all for that matter so yeah it, it really is a consistent issue on people deciding whether or not to run dragoon but we're but even drytrons are playing it now it's like not all yeah. but some of them are so it's it's really starting to be out there kind of showing off uh like it's 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 power in this format yeah and i i had no idea drytron was playing dragoon until i faced that opponent um and you know it's funny speaking of drawing the red eyes package uh one time live on gave vargas's stream i was playing against ryan Yu, and i drew all three cards oh. the had. and i was like hey gabe watch this and i played red eyes fusion i like discarded both dark magician red eyes and i'm like oh my god the most negative uh, play ever. Uh, it was against Sky Striker, so I'm like, at least it's good against Sky Striker. But yeah, the bad news was it was against Ryan Yu, who's like very yeah. good. So I was like, okay, well, it was funny. W- would there be any changes you'd make to the the Cyber Dragon deck moving forward? Well, I'll mention it in my profile. Though, as of right now, the only thing I would have changed was just like take out that second Mega Fleet and just put back the Mecha Ball. I just like didn't really come up. And realistically speaking, I'm just banishing it for Pot of Prosperity, anyways. But yeah, yeah, I, I think for now, like I find my most of my lists have been like the bulk of it has been quite standard. If there are people that's been following my profiles over time, mm-hmm. and so yeah, you know, like the Cyber Dragon ratio is that pretty much never changes really, and then. It's just a matter of like, okay, which hand traps do I need to play? Like right now I'm playing just six hand traps. I've always preferred the board breaking route, but yeah. sometimes you have no choice but to play like 12 hand traps, like an Infernoble format. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but right now I'm enjoying it that it's not like that anymore. And same mm-hmm. with like something like VFT where you can't play at all. But Drytron, I admit, is definitely very hard going second against because, you know, anything on the board, like even like Ultimateness, like, there's like cards like Dark Ruler, there's Kaijus, but what's hard is the Orange Heralds in hand because there's like no cards that you can play that will stop something from activating your opponent's hand, right? Like like you have Call By to stop the Eva, but mm-hmm. that means they still resolved Orange Herald once. And 
when they like have multiple orange heralds, it's like, how do you stop that? Right? Like you just have to eat it basically. Yeah. Because it's negate and destroy, that's quite problematic for Cyber Dragons. For example, like Machine Dupe, you need to have that body on board. And it's like very hard to play against through multiple of that after you already invested resources to negate like the Herald or like the IP. So I felt like you just have to like load up on hand traps. Like I, I don't even like put Pot of Prosperity. Like I just like take those out because there's no point of drawing Pot of Prosperity. Like they'll just negate it with Herald. So yeah, want to have like the hand traps. And so, yeah, I would say against Drytron, I think I typically drew probably two. I mean, I put in so many, realistically speaking. But yeah, yeah. I put the two, definitely at least one. And then at least in, in terms of the matches or in the games that I won. Yeah. So, well, yeah, that was fortunate. But I, I definitely fear Drytron. Yeah. Well, I, as a Drytron player, at any time my, my uh, Mubeta Fafner got hit with an impermanence or a Valor, I, I found myself in doing very subpar moves afterwards. Mm -hmm, exactly. So, Imper yeah. Imper yeah, no, that's, I really like, I'm glad it came back to popularity after like pretty much seeing like zero play when like VFD and or virtual world and stuff with the tier one. But yeah, yeah I, I think Imperm is really good. And the underrated part is actually uh, negating the floodgates after you set for a turn. Yeah. I mean, like, because like once like Imperial Order resolves, it's like, for just like decks in general, it's like hard to out that, right? Because it's like, okay, well, you know, all the back removable spells that can't work, even red reboot, it's like they already activated, you can't get rid of it. So, yep. you know, like Cyber Dragons, we can technically go into like Anaconda and bring out Rampage and pop the order, but it's probably going to be hard because they probably have something more than order. So, yeah. Oh boy! Well, I'm glad that you were able to, you know, to top the YCS, you know, add some uh, Canadian mix into it, and you know, have another, you know, Canadian on that uh, on that list moving forward. And uh, you know, eventually, I hope that once we get a little more semblancy, at least in Ontario, of course, we can actually, you know, maybe have a maybe have a match or two, like in real life, because like things mm -hmm. are starting to open up back up a little bit. It's funny how you say that you've been playing more in the pandemic than rather than out, out of the pandemic, which I find is kind kind of funny. But then again, we've kind of done that thing with our channels too our channels have been more active like in the pandemic than it has been mm -hmm. out of the pandemic too so it'll be interesting to see how your channel and my channel will be moving forward once like things start to open up a, a little bit more and uh, kind of see how our, our channels will progress and evolve as we go along yeah for sure yeah man so again congratulations on on the top that you did there a, a couple weeks ago and uh, thank you for coming on to my podcast I, I really had a great time with you uh talking you know data and statistics because that's like a big thing that i love to do especially when i do sports broadcasting so it was nice to speak a lot of a lot of this the kind of like the kind of the more like nerdier geek talk kind of thing so i, I really enjoyed that part of the conversation with you yeah same thanks for having me it's been great yeah, of course. Absolutely. Uh, any shout outs you want to give before we uh, head on out? I guess just shout out to my home channel, Hakuna My Data. And that's, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's about it. <laughs> All right, man. Thank you so much for coming out. That is Hakuna My Data, who is on my podcast today to start off season three. Go check him out. He's got a lot of really wonderful and informative content on his channel. Great stuff. If you really want to get down to the nitty gritty of analyzing a lot of decks, meta and whatnot. Again, thank you so much for coming on my podcast, man. I really appreciate uh, you being on and hopefully we can get ourselves a match soon. Once we get the, get some semblance back in the province. Yep. I'm sure we will. All right. Thank you. Have yourself a wonderful night. You too.